0: Hi everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Judo Talk podcast. Judo talk, talk, talk,
1: talk. Talk, talk, Judo talk, talk. Judo talk, talk. Judo talk, talk.
0: So before we get started, I just wanted to ask how many of you sing that intro. Go on, be honest, how many of you sing that intro at the beginning? Uh, I had a few people ask, um, who who so who sings it, if it's me, it's not me. I'm, you can tell I've got no musical ability. Uh, one of um, my former students, uh, a lad called Oliver Malcolm, who actually is a music producer and he does all his own songs, so I'm really lucky that he, he managed to ping this over to me before we started the podcast. Um, so yeah, so actually, as it is episode eight, um, I just want to say thanks as well to everybody. We've had over well over 2,000 downloads of the podcast now, and it's great, and it's literally all over the world. So, um, if you are listening from a different part of the world, uh, just send me a message, just tell me that you're listening. Uh, you know, it can be on Instagram, Facebook, um, and please share the podcast, tell everybody about it. I don't want it to be the best kept secret. Uh, judo has um so yeah so that's great um pretty special week for me this week it's the first week i'm back teaching full contact judo um since march 2020 and it feels really really weird i was so nervous i don't know how anybody else felt if there's any other coaches or judokas who's been on the mat i was really nervous um We've got quite a lot of new children trying judo, obviously lots of children that continued um, doing it either socially distanced or through Zoom. And it's really, really weird to be back on the mat. Um, in Britain, coaches obviously can't demonstrate on the children or anything like that, but it's just good to be back teaching some judo. Um, have you guys started your classes yet? Are you opening, are you running? I'd love to hear from you, let me know. How, how's it going for you? What's your experience of it? um but yeah so today's podcast is a little bit different to all the others as many geo clubs are opening up um i wanted to interview somebody who's um an seo expert so works uh, with search engine optimization but also uh, with marketing and he works with loads of different companies but he also Is a judoiker, he he does judo, he's done quite a few different martial arts as well. So with clubs opening up, I thought this was the perfect opportunity to get some solid advice out there, help you guys fill your clubs um, and bring judo back with a massive bang. So let's get into it. Hey guys, and welcome to the latest episode of Judo Talk. And today I'm talking to Andrew Holland. Andrew, can you say hello for me? Hey, how you doing there everyone? <laughs> yeah. Um so this podcast is a little bit different. Uh once again I have said before I like to I really want to make this um something beneficial to the community and Andrew. Uh, well Andrew, you explain who you are, what you do for me please mate. Uh,
1: okay, yeah. So uh, I'm a um I'm a judo player. That's something I, I am, you know, um, You know those probably in the you know Manchester and Stoke on Trent area all know who I am. Uh, But generally speaking, I my job is is as I'm a marketing specialist, and although that takes various forms such as uh seo search engine optimization I've, I've dabbled in all areas from content marketing to um web development to uh to well to social media marketing so i've got a good broad spectrum of, of knowledge i've been a trainer for the chambers of commerce in relation to their marketing i used to train businesses for them um you know and i've worked with everyone from seven and eight figure businesses all the way to small businesses in a wide variety of fields from printing all the way to uh, the biggest marketers on the planet whose, whose businesses are worth, you know, $400 million. And, you know, so I, I've got a good bit of experience that I can bring in, I think, today in this conversation.
0: Yeah. Which I, I am really thankful that you've managed to, to find some time for us. And um, I think, So the whole idea with this is obviously we've been through a really tough time in judo now with COVID. Many judo clubs have been shut. Um, Many people have um, moved away from judo. And basically, I wanted to have a chat about how can we help judo clubs? How can we help coaches? How can we even judo players, parents support their clubs and talk about different, um, different martial arts, what they do and, you know, go from there and just give some really good uh, advice really okay, <clears throat> okay, yeah, no one. So let's, let's take this from Covid ground zero. So, at a
1: certain point in time, somebody's going to say the government is going to allow globally. I know it's allowed in certain states in America, I think in Australia, it's been allowed in certain times, but at certain points, we're going to talk about UK generally here. Um, somebody's going to say judo can go back to normal, it can, we can start. So, that's ground zero for judo. Up until that point, other things, other uh, pastimes will have been open first. And if you're a person that's got six or seven pastimes and your kids have, they will start to filter into those pastimes first. That's just the the inevitable nature of of the way it is. And also, because those pastimes have sort of got their um, upper hand in terms of opening uh, they can get in first to everybody and say, hey, Luke, come to us. Um, so it's a big reset. So the daughter that was doing judo um, 12 months ago might actually got fed up of judo, might not be interested in judo, but might be interested in dance because dance schools opened up. And for whatever reason, they decided to go down that route. And mom kind of start dance lessons. So, you know, make no mistake, when judo opens up, you're going to get the core people come back in who eat, you know, breathe and live for judo. And and also the kids that do as well, they're, they're not the ones that you're fighting for because you've already got those back. You know, they're the ones who were itching to get on the mat that, that you cut them open and the, you know, judo's written on their heart. Um, and invariably there might be parents. So those, those will be parents whose kids do judo and just kids who love judo as well, as well as the adults. So you don't have to worry about those people. Those people are already there. And the way I I sort of analogize this, if that's a word, I don't even think it is, (laughs) but the way I I would uh, say an analogy is um, if you look at soft drinks and Pepsi and Cola, and Pepsi and Cola are very well aware that the people that they drink Pepsi and Cola on a regular basis, they don't need to market to. They don't need to market to because they go into the supermarkets and buy Pepsi and Cola on on the regular basis. They know they're going to drink Pepsi because they're Pepsi drinkers, there, or they're all their cola drinkers, and they choose their drink. So they don't because they're loyal, they've, they they like the drink, that's it. And they market to the people that aren't loyal. So it's that percentage of people that could choose either Pepsi or cola this week. And they market for those people. And the way that marketing and advertising works on a on a bigger basis is it, it, it alters memory architecture and the brain. So you go into that uh, that supermarket shelf, you pick Coca-Cola cans up, you're not quite sure why, but it's invariably because you saw the Coca-Cola advert at Christmas and it just, just stuck in your brain and you went there. You don't even know you're doing it consciously. Sometimes it might be a special offer that, that gets you to do it or whatever like that, but you're choosing that. And judo you know, for the most part is in the same position when it comes back. You've got your loyal people who you don't need to market to. But then you've got the people who are less loyal, perhaps who aren't indoctrinated yet, beginners, perhaps haven't been in the system. You know, perhaps lockdowns not been too kind to their bodies or they've not been too kind to their bodies in lockdown. And the thought of judo petrifies them going back in because it is such an intensive sport. And, you know, and and for kids, you know, they drift off and, and then the desire to do judo might not be there anymore. You know, so there's lots of issues. It's a big reset So, you know, do I think that marketing judo is going to be easy when people come back? I think it's going to be very challenging for people. And I think initially everyone's going to be happy because you get the floods of people back into the clubs. But that might not continue. And you might find that not everyone returns. And also, depending on when we reopen, there still is going to be a category of risk. And judo sits quite high on the risk category, doesn't it? We know that because it's a close, sweaty sport. So to go to judo or for your child to go to judo, there is an element of risk there where there are safer sporting options and say for adults as well. So you might find that that is, even though the government says, yeah, you can go back judo, that people are saying, well, you know, I'm going to wait a bit. I'm just going mm-hmm. to wait a bit to see how that happens. So, so I hope that makes sense, but I, I, in, in a nutshell, I don't think it's going to be as easy as people think.
0: No. And as, before we go any th- further, further I most part, cause I can hear this in my head already. Um, I know from speaking to judo coaches, and just people in the judo community, the second you say marketing or profit, alarm bells scream in their head, like they're almost like naughty words that you shouldn't really (laughs) be using. And I think I'd like to hear your opinion on why it's really important that maybe we have a change of focus on on marketing and bringing children into our clubs or adults. You know, how do you see it?
1: Okay. So let's, let's break this down and it's an interesting subject. So why is, why is football more popular than judo? I would ask you that question and ask anyone listening to that to consider it. Why is, why is football and rugby more popular than judo? What would you say to that Vince? What do you think?
0: Well, I think because it does a really good job at marketing itself, getting out there and, you know.
1: Yeah, that, that's, 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 one, one reason, but if we look at the sports and the actual um, sports themselves, like so I used to play football as a kid and I used to love football as a kid, but then I drifted out. Just bores me watching it, to be honest <laughs> with you, most of the time, unless it's a, an England match or something like that. I'm just not interested in football. Rugby, yeah, I, I like to watch rugby, but I'm not somebody who would sit there and watch rugby on the TV or anything. But if you look at the sports themselves, you know, rugby and football aren't exciting sports.
0: They aren't. They aren't any more exciting um, than judo. I suppose the barrier to entry is a lot lower as well, isn't it? You can grab a ball and just jump down the park and kick it about.
1: It is. So you you start to look at um, what happens is, and you look at the history of football and and the history of of rugby. These sports have been around an awful long time. So if you look at how football was part of, of things, football, if you go historically back in Britain, Football was uh, the activity people went to watch on, um, I think it might have been a Saturday, because the old working day, uh, people used to work six days a week, and they had one day off a week. And the weekend, by the way, if you don't know this, started because um, what happened was people weren't turning to work on the Monday. They were getting drunk on the Sunday and not turning into work on the Monday. And they couldn't, that was a damaging issue. So what they decided to do is to give people, this is what I've been told, is to give people two days off, the Saturday and the Sunday. The Saturday's when everyone got drunk and went to watch the football, and the Sunday's when everyone recovered, and then they came back Monday because they were losing so many people on the Monday and, and people weren't working correctly. If that's true, and no, I don't know, but it's what I read. But the point is that football is indoctrinated into our history for many, 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 many years. And it's, it's, it's almost part of society. But actually, if you pick apart the sport, what's football? Passing around a ball between players. Hardly excited with the chance of gold. There's hardly any few, there's hardly got many goals in any match. You know, most of the match is people passing the ball, kicking it up and down the pitch. Rugby, there's a lot of scrums, you know? So when people talk, when, when we, if we go to it, like people talk about entertainment value and stuff like that. The, the actual sport isn't any more entertaining than watching a judo match. And, and I'd argue that judo matches can be vastly more entertaining and shorter as well, so you've got more more fights during that ninety minute period you can watch. So on an entertainment basis, judo is on par, in my opinion, with football or rugby, without a shadow of a doubt. So brings us back to the question: Why do the sports of rugby and um, and, and football become more popular. Why are they more popular? Because they're indoctrinated into our society and have been for a long, long, long time. And also, quite rightly said, they, they, they've got large spectator stadiums. There's a low barrier to entry. They don't need mats and things like that. You've got a ball. So it perpetuates that. And You've got this professional element into it that players get paid. There is a reward, there's large financial rewards, there's sponsorship, there's TV coverage. So it all feeds into this cycle where where, where football and, and market football and rugby or, and sports like that become more popular. So if we're to address judo, we need to address how we make judo more popular. We can't get it on TV in this country, particularly. That's beyond the club's remit but we can make judo more popular. And and the goal to making the sport more popular is to get people through the doors of judo clubs. And that's how you do it to get participation up as high as possible. Now, you can do two models with this. You can do a top-down, bottom-down, where, where it's promoted by the BGA or the over governing bodies of any country, and they promote judo to such an extent they invest in, in in a in the fundamentals to get that. But that's not happening, so we have to ignore that. So the other side of things is for clubs need to increase participation numbers. If you've got hundred or hundred and fifty on the mat, like I know I've never been to Japan, but I, I believe that's the kind of numbers that they can get on the mat. If that's the case in Japan, 150, you know, 100 150 on the mat, can we do the same in this country? And how do we do the same in this? How can we do the same in this country? And then what happens is if we get more participants in this sport, then everything else starts to fall into place because there's more people who would watch it if it's on TV. There's more justification for it to be on TV. There's more people who start to say, "Oh, what's that judo? I really want to do judo, and, and that's interesting." And we expose it. So it all starts in my opinion, from this increasing club participation numbers on a a massive scale. So whereas most clubs are happy with like, you know, 10 on the mat or 10 adults on the mat and 30 kids, we need to be saying, okay, well, how do we get 100 adults on the mat at a time? How do we encourage 150 adults on the mat at a time? And that should be the goal. How can we do that? Let's start with that as a goal and work back and to, and to see how, how that happens. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think for me, judo, obviously I, I always say this, I'm really biased when it comes to judo because I think it's a really good product. Yeah. And I almost feel like if we don't do a good job in marketing judo, we're actually people are missing out on all the benefits. If we don't yeah. scream and shout about it, they're not getting all the benefits that judo can offer, whether that's physical health, mental health, um, you know. and the more people we have, the more chances have we got of producing an Olympic champion, surely. Yeah.
1: Of course. And you also look at the. I'm not sure. I always see this fact bandied about and I've never seen the source of it, but they say judo is the second most, second most participated sport on the planet after football. So we don't need any. And the fact it's an Olympic sport, the fact it's been around for so many years now, we don't need anybody to say that judo is not good because all the evidence is there. There's tons of sporting evidence, you know, not to mention all the things to do with uh, uh, racial uh, issues where you, you won't find a sport more inclusive than judo, where you get so many different people of nationalities, and race training with each other to benefit each other to improve each other it's not like that in boxing it's not like that in other sports you know you work in a team and in judo the team people train with each other on the mats they have the training sessions everything you can go to camps where you'll be different nationalities training with each other you don't get that really in any other kind of sport everyone's trying to benefit each other and judo obviously was it's built around educational principles isn't it you know kano the desire to give us a pastime which is you know mentally stimulating that it that also encourages those drives that we need in life you know you get knocked down get back up again you're being pinned down work out how you're going to get out of that escape that position all these things are developing life skills in us that we don't have uh, or or certainly increasing those life skills and that 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 intensity that intensity that internal fortitude which is very hard to sort of articulate. But, you know, if we don't scream and shout about it, if we don't market judo effectively, it will die off. There's no doubt about that. The numbers will reduce to a point where clubs cannot be uh, self-sufficient. And one of my annoyances is with, with judo, and, and certainly with British judo, is you'll have clubs saying, oh, follow our model, it's successful. But it won't work for other clubs because it's there's so many different... Um, reasons why clubs are successful and clubs aren't successful. You can't say, look at that club that's successful, follow that model. It just doesn't work. You know, that's, that's, you can't model another club model and expect it to work in Stoke-on-Trent because it worked in Manchester. You can't expect it to work in London because it worked in, you know, Milton Keynes because there are so many issues such as travel to a location, car parking, the instructors at a club, the style of the instructors, the the mats, the changing facilities, all those things add to to an experience and it can, you know – You know, if one club's got it right, the other club can't do those things. So it's, you know, it is tough for clubs, but uh, that, that answer isn't the, that isn't the answer, but clubs themselves are, are the, are the people that need to be able to market judo effectively. And, you know, and that, that's where we need to say, okay, how do we get 150 on the mat? And some people say that's impossible. Well, You know, people said flying was impossible, didn't they? You know, if if we're not going to if we're not going to aim for 150 adults on the mat every Wednesday or Thursday or whatever whatever your club night is, then then you know this isn't what we should be doing. This you know why bother? We we need to be aiming high. And if we get fifty on the map because we aim for 150, then most people would massively improve their club numbers, you know. And that's that's what we've got to do. We've got to establish really high goals and say, okay, how are we gonna get there?
0: Yeah. And I suppose there's going to be, I think, in British Judo, there's so many different levels of clubs. There's clubs that are brand new. There's clubs that have been established for a long time, mm-hmm. and you'll have some people who who coach and they go to work during the day and they'll do maybe one evening, two evenings yeah. a week, and they'll have some mats that they put down. You'll have some young coaches. There's definitely a lot more young coaches now that are sort of now thinking about right. I want to start my judo club. I want it to be my career. I want to how how do I do that how do I get people in the club because it is a difficult process it's not a quick process either so what could we start what what could we start to do just like because there's going to be different levels of people's ability as well some people will have a good website some will just have a Facebook page you know what can we start to do as a good practice
1: okay so there's there's a couple of things that um you know you're right what you say this is the big problem with judo is that uh, it's an amateur sport with amateur coaches and until you professionalise it, it's very difficult for those numbers to grow. And because the dojo's only got room for 30 people in, so as soon as you fill it, then problems, there's no doubt about that. So as a result, most people are happy, we'll just get 10, 15 on the mat and, and that's what people do, or, or five even on the mat. So, <clears throat> You know, there is problems with growth. I'm not going to say there isn't. And, and a lot of people are mentally conditioned to say, okay, well, I'm just happy with the 15 or 10. We get on the mat. So people are, not firstly, people generally aren't actively growing judo. That's the first thing we have to acknowledge. We're not actively growing judo. So when, when I say actively growing judo, this is what I mean. Most people just put Facebook posts on and of a website. And that's it. That's it. That's that's their sole um marketing efforts to grow judo whereas okay well what about posters where are the posters going up every week where are you you, are your posters in the local news agents are the posters in the post office are the posters in your local bakers are the posters in your school You know, what kind of relationship do you have with the school? Are you speaking to the school? Are you going in every month or two months to do assemblies? Can you pay for a newsletter drop from the school to go out in every single school bag? You know, can you go into a school and do a demonstration? I'm just talking about kids here as well. So you've got to create these mechanisms that you're going to use on a 12-month basis and decide on a club in terms of what are we going to do to market. And and, um, there's there's a story about... um, it's a story about an engineer, sorry, an engineer. It's like a plaster. Imagine a plaster, a local plaster, a gardener. A gardener would be a good example. Gardener puts business card inside um, some business cards and a leaflet inside the local post office, and he goes back to it. It stays there for the first week, and no one sees it. No one makes any phone calls. Then, then the next week, no one makes any phone calls. Three months goes by that leaflet, he doesn't get a single call off that leaflet. And you think, crikey, that's a waste of time. I'm going to take those leaflets out of there. I'm not going to go back up and post anymore, or I'm not going to pay the post office the fee or the news agents the fee for it. But what happens is on month four, if he keeps it going or she keeps it going, month four, somebody sees it. And they say, oh, you're great. So they go to the the club. They join the club. They love judo. And they bring five people in. And then somebody else goes into the news agents month five and says, oh, I like that. That's good. So they ring the other friend and say, should we start judo? So what what the point of that is, is really is, is from the gardeners point of view, gardeners do it over time. They leave these leaflets all over the place and they take time to 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 create that resonance, that response. And what we do is people we tend to give up, especially in marketing on things that make sense to do and we don't do it. People will say, oh, I can't be bothered to print leaflets. They never get any results. They never do anything. But you don't know that because you don't know that somebody's seen the poster and the newsagents has gone onto your Facebook page or gone onto your website, and you'll say the website's done all the work. Look how many results the website's done. But the posters uh, are the ones doing the heavy lifting, really, and the website's just funneling in there. So we miss off as, as generally people because we're busy and 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 we're not actively marketing We miss off the local opportunities that are there and abundance around us. You know, so get a sandwich board, put a sandwich board outside your location. If it's not, if you haven't got a sign outside to say there's judo lessons on there. So you rock up to your judo club, get a sandwich board. You can make it yourself. It's not going to cost you a lot if you want to make it to buy them. That isn't expensive. Put a sandwich board outside. So people say, oh, what's going on in there? Here's another one for you. Ask the kids to turn up in their outfits, to come to the training with their outfits. Give the kids branded bags, kit bags. I know that sounds silly, but when the kids are walking from their local house down to um, down to uh, the location, uh, they're walking all the way through the streets with their on and their trainers and with a kit bag that says fighting fitness judo. Or judo, Stoke on Trent, or whatever it is you want to say, you've got these kind of bags on there that that are there. Now they're not going to cost you a lot of money. You're going to give them the kids as part of some kind of membership package, which you can charge for. And that's the other thing is is making sure you get these assets aren't free. But you're doing that, and you're advertising. You know, you're putting your leaflets out there. You're uh, when you get a result uh, on the, you know, you go to a club competition or whatever like that you've done, and it's really good. Then you go and do that, and then it doesn't just stop there. By the way, so you can. You can do things like with the gradings, which is really cool. So if, um, if you've got a, a grading on at your club, you need to make this an event. Perhaps think for a grading about hiring a separate dojo or bigger building that can have more parents. I know COVID, this isn't allowed, but this is the future in terms of what you can do. You know, you can have parents arriving at the location and make this an experience, offer them teas and coffees, make, give them seats, get, make sure the kids put on a display. For the parents before the you know the gradings get the siblings to come along and then afterwards you get somebody who's a photographer from your club or you hire a photographer or you do it yourself and you start taking pictures of every single person in their family together you start taking pictures of the proud person with the belt and what you do is you post that on their facebook they post it on their facebook and then it creates this sort of uh, circle of om- omnipresence really where you're everywhere and everyone says oh look at uh, look at charlotte She's doing judo now. And the same things, by the way, apply to the adults. So, you know, if uh, if if I was a judo, you know, to go around a judo club and start taking pictures of people whilst they're doing judo gray, you know, gray images, make someone look great then put them online. That makes, you know, the participant feel great. It also makes the participant feel like, the, you know, the story they're telling others is that they're doing judo, they're different. And and we don't promote that very well as clubs because it's that little bit, it's that little bit more effort. And after you've been working six, you know, six nine hours or eight hours or whatever, you've been up since six AM, you've got two kids, you're sorting them, you drop them off at school, and then you've got to go and run judo sessions, the thought of doing all this kind of stuff is hard work that's why if you've got a club you need to find somebody who's your marketing officer and i don't mean they paid to do it or it's hard work you need to give somebody that role in terms of say hey here you go you're the marketing parent you know can you take this on for us this is what i'd like you to do and uh that would really appreciate it and you know it's not going to be up for every parent not every parent will want that responsibility but some parents will love it
0: i know there are definitely parents that just want to know how they can support the judo clubs you know and we see it all the time that they just don't know how they could help you know having somebody around to take some pictures or you know like even even like the leafletting stuff uh, when we first started our clubs with Sam and I, we would go and leaflet for days and days and days. And I think people forget about the offline stuff. Yeah. And it was just to sort of say in the area that this is what we're doing. Now where time's a bit tighter, we ask children, of the club, you know, will they go out and leaflet, you know, and there's, you can obviously pay them, but if you don't have money to pay them, if they're out leaflet in for a couple of days, you can give them their subs for free for a month or, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's certain yeah. things yeah. you can do. Um, but I think the offline and even um, like little incentives, like if you manage to refer two, three friends, you get a free T-shirt or a new judo suit. Like yep. there, there's so many things that you can do offline. I think we're, we're so conditioned now to, to think about the online, but actually the parents' referrals, the kids' referrals, the the stuff like that actually make a huge instant impact because they have trust yes, with their yes. peers, don't they?
1: Yeah, of course. The thing with offline online is this. And this is the thing. So, you know, I'm going to say this to you. You know, I'm pretty willing to bet that your letterbox is relatively empty other than bills mm. and take and take away menus, because that's the reality of letterboxes today. You've got an open audience. I open every single letter I get, every single letter I get. And I'm sure many other people do. So if you want to send letters to people, that, that's one option, you know, you do that. But, you know, if I was leafleting today, I wouldn't just even shove leaflets to the door. I'd be knocking on every single door and saying, hello, sir, how do you do madam? You know, uh, I'm just letting you know, I'm running a local judo club in the area. You know, I'm just wondering, have, have you ever shown any interest in martial arts? Is anybody in the house interested in martial arts? Oh, yes, there is. You know, well, you know, let me tell you about this. this. is this leaflet. You can come along. We're giving this free trial or whatever. And, and that's not scalable. I know it's, it, people will say um, the internet's scalable in terms of it's so easy. You press a button, you put a post, it goes out there. And um, and people will say, well, if you've got to pay Facebook, you've got to pay Facebook more money to get it out to more people. And Facebook does work. If you want to use it properly, it, it does. There's no doubt about that. But leafleting, you know, putting your leaflets out there, knocking on doors, having that conversation with people, well, that is incredibly powerful. Yes, it's incredibly time consuming. So if I explain how, cause I've worked with a lot of other martial arts franchises that are doing mega money. So to give people some kind of sort of uh, overview, I know martial arts trainers and instructors will take 15,000 pounds at a single grading on a weekend. You know, that, that's the reality of it. And and they've got big venues and they're taking good money. Um, and many take less and, and many take more. I know, I know instructors are on 15,000 pound a month in fees alone, teaching martial arts and self-defense and, you know, there's no reason why judo can't be like that. You know, we've got a cheaper payment model. We've got other things with it. But we can get more people involved in it. It's just that those clubs, because they're paid, that knocking on doors time is part of the business. It's paid. they're, they're in, the, Everyone they get through the door is money in their back pocket, so to be called money in the business. So to ask people in judo to do it, it is tougher. And that goes into that whole conversation of professionalising the sport. But if you want to get more people on the mat and that's your goal as a club, then you can have weekends where you get 10 people in the club to go down and start knocking on doors and things like that. And um, other clubs, you know, the professional clubs will pay 200, 300 pound to be in Tesco's. I mean, again, this is before COVID and it will come back, though. So where you'll pay, you'll have a stand inside Tesco's well you think Tesco's on a Saturday how many hundreds of people are going to walk past you every 10 you know 10 15 minutes or Asda or somewhere like that you get a stand you get it authorized you pay 300 pound worth of money or whatever it costs you and you give the leaflets out but you don't just give leaflets out you take names you take phone numbers you say right we'll be in touch and you message them the day before they're due to come in you ask them what day suits them on the Wednesday so you message them again on the Tuesday but if you've got their name and address from that 200 and 300 pound spend, what happens then is you do that. And then after you've got that money, if they don't turn up, you put those names into a second pile. So come at January time or Christmas time, you send them into Christmas cards and Hey, listen, remember you came for a free trial, but you never came up. Hey, the opera, the op- offers there come down for a free trial. I'll be there. we'll look after you. So you start getting more mechanical and methodical in your lead generation tactics. again, the big barrier is here is you've got to ask, you've got the club's got to spend money. You've got to get people to give up their time. And people don't like giving up Saturdays to stand in the middle of Tesco selling judo. So, and these are the sort of barriers the sport has got issues with that it needs to resolve. But when people say to me, you can't grow judo, it's just an absolute, just nonsensical idea that you can't grow judo to get 150 people on the mat. You can, it's just the actual processes need to be expanded by each club. if, If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think I think there's going to be plenty of people. There's definitely people that have been involved with judo uh, for a very long time. They're thinking, that's far too much effort. I'm not really into that. But there's going to be coaches that are thinking, well, I love judo. I'd love to make it my job, but I don't see how that's feasible. You know, it, it, you know, I'm not making enough money, but actually there's things that they could be doing around slowly building their classes, slowly improving their numbers. And they'll hit a point where actually they look at it and go, well, I only need to get another 50 more kids on the class or in my club. Yeah. And that covers yeah. my, my cost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and it yeah, is really exactly incremental. Right. Like we didn't start with a business we started doing jobs whilst building yeah. the club up. And mm-hmm. then it got to a point where the club would sustain our living.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think that's it, you know, that's where people, that's where you then are able to make it. And I think as well, if you make your living from judo, you're. it doesn't mean that you're taking money from people. What you're doing is you're able to invest that money back into the club. You know, well, you can provide yeah. your living, you can provide a better service. Well, the thing that money allows – the thing with people got this dirty word about money
1: in judo, mm. and it really winds me up in terms of money allows you to spread the message of judo and the benefits fits to more people that's the way it is so the more you charge for judo the more you've got uh, can afford to live your lifestyle you've got a roof over your head you've got security it allows you to coach and um what 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 we're seeing in judo is a decline in british judo we didn't you know it's all the figures are there we can see it openly judo has flatlined if not declined over the last 10 years and the reason for that is is got to be you know we've got to put down and there's a structural problem with how judo is being grown now there is a problem because competition is more fierce. You know, there are more professional dance studios out there. There are more professional – there are CrossFit studios out there. There are gyms, more gyms out there in the last 10 years that ch- are cheaper. You know, there are Brazilian – and we talk about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, again, has is, is grown massively. You know, you can't tell me judo can't grow when you've got 50 people at like 50 adults paying £50 pound a month or, or if not more on a, a, a judo – on a BJJ club, Matt. Yeah, and that's oh, the reality of it exactly so so if judo needs to properly have a, a serious look at itself and clubs need to say okay well you know you've got a choice you can either exist in that model which you're talking about which is it's too hard i don't want to put the effort in i'm just happy coming to judo and teaching the 6 8 to 8 adults and then we'll get that organic flow going on that is that. yeah
0: i suppose though that's i don't want it that it that's if that's their involvement with judo that's fine but I mm-hmm. suppose this is for the people that I think in how do we put it? Like, how can we push our club on? Because there will be some people that just will want to to have that as their involvement. Yeah. And this is for the people that I think who well, actually I'd love judo to be my job. I'd love yeah. to have 500 members. I'd love okay, because so, there are clubs like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so for people like that, it isn't actually that hard. You've got to. put time the tools are free out there so so first of all you know let's let's talk basics so um you've got to use facebook is the tool because everyone's on it and it's the best business growth tool in terms of um you know reaching people in your community as quickly as possible so first off you've got to create a system where you're transparent with the clubs in terms of you've got to show the clubs. so you need to be taking facebook live videos during the club sessions you need to be taking you know pictures at the end of the club of all the people on the mat showing working out and all the people on the kids you need to be doing judo for the month, all those kind of things, and put them out there. You need to be tagging the people in the photos. You need to be getting those people to share it because they will share it for you online. And what that does is it allows people to see who's in the judo club and say, "People like me do judo." So, if for example you see an MMA club, okay, they're the classic example. Every time you see an MMA club training shot, what will you see? You'll see lads uh, six-packed up, uh, ripped at the end of a sweaty session with tattoos and all generally looking tough lads. Well, if you're sitting there and you're an accountant in your day job and you're you're 45 and are thinking about starting a martial art, well, MMA is not going to attract you when you see pictures like that. But if you see pictures on a judo mat of people who are in their 40s you just look like regular people, some overweight, some under, you know, some some fit, and it's full spectrum of people from different racial backgrounds and everything else like that. You're gonna say, okay, well, people like me do judo, but you can't see inside the club. We cut the clubs are closed doors. So the only way you can get those images out is by, you know, religiously taking video, making, showing people what goes on in the club uh, by t- taking those images and putting them out online. And then you do the tagging thing. You tag your people in, you ask members to share it. And what happens is those things go off to their connections. Those posts go off to the other connections. And before, you know, you take a page, which isn't got much reach and you're reaching hundreds of potentially qualified people. So that's like, the starting point you need to have this procedures in place where every week you're saying, I'm going to take some video, take some photos during the session, and then take some pictures of members looking great, you know, try and catch those those photos. Like I say, <clears throat> pardon me, get somebody to do it for you if you if you don't do it or you're not good at it, or learn how to do use a mobile phone, it's not complicated. You know, make your members look great. Gray out the photos, put a little watermark. Learn how to do that. Share it to Instagram. You know, share it to Facebook. And, and what you're doing is you're getting the word out. That's that's the first thing to do and, if you want to get the club out there.
0: And I suppose as well. So for coaches running clubs, and you know, the the only things that you'll you'll have to make sure is that everybody's agreed to you taking photos and yeah, that's pretty yeah. easy in your membership packages when people sign up you know we've just got a little thing in there say as part of our classes we we might take pictures and use them for advertising um please let us know if this isn't okay course, you know but yeah, you're signing yeah. it off you know so you know that everybody and it's it is about keeping it professional as well and like you say it, coaches are most probably the worst people in the world i i hate having to stop my session to take pictures and stuff but there's going to be people on the mat or parents that are going to be around and they'd you know be able to take those pictures for you aren't they
1: yeah, yeah, that's that and that's that's the key to it. And it's not just uh, capturing attention. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It's just getting people to see and, and a lot of the, the issues, if you want to attract new members, it's it's showing them what you're about. Now, not every club is right for every business in every person. So the club I go to, it's a real you know, the adult session is like a rug indoor rugby match, you know, it's like there's blokes who just want to, we just want to fight, you know, and that, and that's what we do. We do a bit of training and we fight and we fight for an hour and, uh, and we're all shattered by the end of it. And if you're that type of person who likes that kind of training, you know, then that's gonna appeal to you. And especially if you look at the crowd, uh, it's not like this, you know, it's not full of idiots. You can tell tell when you see a a group photo of whether people are generally idiots, louts, or anything like that. And it isn't, it's generally, you know, nice people. And you can see if it's for you. And that sort of, that self-selection process is massive. And that's just Facebook bear in mind. So, you know, you've got all the other opportunities to do this, you can start a website for free. Get a WordPress website, or or go on some other free website builder. You don't even need to actually have a paid website if you don't want to. If you've not got one, I mean, I think it's it's, it's now's the time for clubs to have have these things. And you get websites, and what you do is, you know, you install a Facebook Messenger plugin on a WordPress website or something like that. If so, because a lot of people now want to communicate via Facebook. So, what happens is, if you've got any questions. You can message you live. Doesn't matter where you are, you get the message coming through to your phone. But those pictures on the club, you get a good website that tells the story of your club, what you're about. And invariably that that openness will attract people. Where judo can sometimes go wrong when I see judo websites is a lot of them are very stuffy and are very um, fixated upon judo as the thing that they're selling. They're not selling, no one's selling judo. What you're selling is an activity. And yeah, Judo's got some interesting history, but if you're making, you know, looking, if your website looks like somebody's got to become a samurai to turn up at the club, then that's, that's too That's getting too much into that history side. And it's got to be more about the fun, about, about what people are going to feel like when they go to the club and how, the, how they're going to change. So, you know, and those are the two really main ones, you know, you'll get your uh, website done get your facebook done on a regular basis and then also in addition and get people onto an email list as soon as you can get your current customers onto an email list you know get when they leave the club for whatever reason take them off the email list and put them onto a, another segment which is a leavers list so then you can send emails out to your old club members and say hey listen you've not been with us for a while would you like to come in and that's free that's free marketing really for you and Even if you don't want to use a professional email tool, you can just create a list on a spreadsheet and then copy and paste your emails, you know, moving from club club attendees to leavers. You can then reactivate them. So there's lots of things you can do for free, which don't cost you a lot of money, which just just require a little bit of conscious effort. Um, And so there isn't really any excuses from that. And then when you get the money coming in and the members coming in, that's when you can start to look at more paid activities and think about investing in more options like that.
0: Yeah, I think um, that's the thing as well. It doesn't actually cost that much money to do those things. It it is purely time. Mm. And it's just about getting little systems in place. Um, So we use... Um, we use a a payment provider that actually, if we wanted, they would give you your website for free. They would give you, like there's loads of stuff that are already involved and even simple stuff like, um, so at the club, we've got a card reader and the card reader that we use, they provide you with an online shop. Like there's loads of stuff that they do and you think, oh, well, they charge 2% or they, you know, like uh, the people who take our payments, they charge 6% and you think, oh, that's 6p for every pound but actually the amount of time and effort that they actually save us is way mm. worth more so you you can sort of offset those as well but to get started yeah, there's very minimal yeah, the, the, sorry yeah there's very minimal cost isn't yeah. there
1: no, well, and that's it. I mean, let's, we have to be realistic about judo. Judo's the most underpriced martial arts activity in the marketplace, probably by, by by now. And uh it, you know, if we talk about inflation, most clubs haven't had an inflation rise to judo. In my opinion, every judo session should be at least 10 pounds. Every single judo session, minimum of 10 pounds. And so you should be taking £50 a month for judo from an adult if you're doing one session a week. I think you should be looking at 60 to 70 pounds for monthly sessions. And a lot of people say, oh my word, that's expensive. That's going to stop everyone from coming. That's going to price everyone out. Well, the reality is, not everyone does judo. So, and if people want to increase the prices, now's the time to do it in this great reset because people can't remember what they paid beforehand and they haven't got this figure in mind. And everything's going up anyway because of inflation and things like that. The price of living goes up. But if people need to increase the prices of judo and what it does is it changes the game because it allows you to use professional tools like you're talking about, but that also becomes more slick and friction is a big reason why people don't actually like to do things so if you think about how easy it is to check out on amazon it's literally one click button isn't it so Mm. if a parent comes to judo there's a lot of friction or an adult there's a lot of friction so first of all they've got to get in first of all let's take winter summer's a different story but let's take winter it's cold and miserable outside to get someone to judo they've got to leave their nice warm house probably not have their tea because it's around. they don't want to train on a full stomach. They've got to get in their car, which is also cold. They've got to then heat it up and drive maybe 10, 20, 30 or 40 minutes to the local judo club, depending where they live and where they are. They've then got to find car parking. They might have to pay for that car parking if there isn't car parking at the judo location. Then they've got to go in, then they've got to get changed, then they've got to go on the mat. And then they've got to warm up, do all that hard work, that they've got to engage their brain to get the end result, which is great. They've had a great judo session. So there's a lot of friction there. If you're a new judo player, you've got all that. And then you've got the, how do I sign up? How do I cancel? You know, what's it going to cost me each month? What is it? So, you know, and if you're rocking up at a judo club and there's somebody there say hi yeah you new member tonight okay brilliant uh, can you fill this details in fill in this form and you know they fill it in 2 seconds or, or you know I, what's your email address i'll send you an online form you just have to sign this disclaimer for this first session give me details fill that card in they give it you back here's a pen it's done quickly and then you send them an email to their email inbox of all the details about joining and paying and stuff like that you know so it's not you haven't got that option of paying at the club it's all done online you know you remove a lot of the friction because somebody's browser can auto store their payment details. It's just done on two clicks. So all those, if we, if we remove the friction from, from signing up to judo and you have what's called costly signaling, it's called costly signaling. It's a, it's a psychological uh, behavioral economics term in terms of if this looks expensive, then it's got more value to it. And you can only achieve those, get those tools. If you're charging a bit more, and it's the same with promotions and logos and merchandise that charging more for judo allows you to do so much more, not about just about profit, which is important as well, if you're professionalizing it, but it allows you to do so much more in terms of growing the club and maintaining the club, and making the club great and also maintaining memberships and things like that. You know, it, it's all part of that process. So, you know, pricing is a massive part of judo. It's a massive part of the strategy and marketing strategy around judo. So if we're undercharging against every other martial art and we're still not getting people through the doors, which we aren't as a sport, we know that. If we're, if we're charging five pound a month and we're still not growing the sport, there is no argument to say, not raise the prices. And if we raise the prices as a whole in judo, yes, you'll lose some members, but generally people will choose judo that want to choose judo. And the people that you want to come into judo, you've got the ability to, to bring them in because you've got more marketing power, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and totally. And just because people charge money doesn't mean they have to remove their judo values. Like, There's going to be situations where, say, you do increase prices. That ability of increasing prices if there's people that really want to do judo and can't afford it, you can have some sort of scholarship program or support system because you make enough money from the people who can afford it.
1: Of course, if you're on on income support and you can prove that, then I'm sure clubs can do an alternative deal. And I don't think anyone would argue about those situations Mm. to make the sport more accessible. I think what we've got to do is, is, it's a subject that I think I wish British judo would take control of because of all the things they can take control of, they can actually assign a monetary value to a judo lesson quite easily in terms of this is what judo should cost, this is the minimum. We have recommended retail prices given for every single product in the marketplace, yet there is no recommended retail price for judo. And invariably, if British judo came out and said, right, the recommended retail price for judo lessons is 12.99 a month or 12.99 a lesson, or if you are doing monthly, this is what it costs monthly. It's £10 a month. If you £10 per less and if you're charging on a monthly basis or something along those lines and sets out that framework for instructors, well, instructors don't have to even think about it. It's done for them. And they also don't have to even justify it to people and say, hey, this is the rate this is what we're charging now this is what it's been set by british judo when british judo raised the prices of gradings people moan about it but people still pay the gradings so why wouldn't british, british judo for me need to step up and say okay this to take this whole pricing decision out is to say clubs this is what a lesson costs because this is the value we've assigned to the coaching certificates, to the coaching courses, to what people get out of judo. And we think this is a reasonable and fair price in comparison to other activities. And they can even do a comparison chart, an hour's dance lesson, an hour's yoga instruction, and an hour's personal training, whatever it is, because judo is quite a lot of personal training. It's quite, you know, there's a lot of instructors generally for pure bodies on the mat. So so I, I think you've got to you know, pricing is a key part there. Vince where, where as an industry, we have to spend some more time looking at this and discussing this and, and, you know, why are we still charging? Why are clubs still charging five pound or less and seven pound or less and when other people are charging far more? And again, is that because we don't want to, do we undervalue judo? Or are we, are we giving something out to say why it's so cheap? Is it not worth it? You know, Krav Magar clubs are full up and down the country and they're paying a lot more than they charge for judo lessons. So why don't we charge more? It's a big conversation to have.
0: I think it's a mindset as well. I know. So uh, I think it was about six months ago, I was listening to a webinar actually. And um, this guy on the webinar, he was a franchisee so he was he didn't own the franchise he was a franchisee and so when when covid all start they everybody in the franchise everybody took out business loans so they government were given those and their advice from the the franchisor you can keep your business loan as soon as it looks like we're coming out of the first lockdown here's all your facebook ads you're going to spend a lot on facebook ads and marketing and yeah. all the different tools and so once they went through this process, this guy. Um, so this is still during COVID. Had mm-hmm. gr- had gained fifteen hundred members into his club. Fifteen, like yeah. the numbers are just phenomenal, aren't they? Yeah, and we're yeah. thinking, we're just saying it'd be great if we had one hundred and fifty people on the mat.
1: Yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> There's a couple of barriers with judo. I mean, I agree, by the way, in terms of, um, um, so there's two types, to go to break that down and further, there's two types of marketing. You've got brand marketing and direct advertising. So if you're paying for Facebook ads, you want, you know, when people talk about boosting posts, that's brand marketing. You're getting your marketing message, your story of the judo club out to more people. If you're doing direct advertising, you're giving an offer that you want people to sign up for. So if you invest £500 on Facebook ads, you need to be earning back £500 in club Mm. memberships. And that's breaking even. You've attributed that. Now, what happens is there's there's two things that people misunderstand with Facebook ads and all these ads like this, is that if you spend £500 on Facebook, and let's just say you get uh, 10 members who pay £30 a month. Well, you spent £500, but hold on, you've only got £300 back. Facebook didn't work it's not working for me that's what people will say but what people don't understand is the lifetime value of a member so if someone's paid you 30 pounds straight away to join your club the average member at least stays between three uh, to six months let's say just say so that member 30 pound you know says wait you've month two it's 60 pounds so you're 10 pound up in month two in month three, you know, you've paid £90 to you. In month four, £420 and so on. So what people don't understand with Facebook ads generally, and this is a judo club environment, is if you're spending money on Facebook ads, what happens is you've got to attribute to the lifetime value of the club, uh, club member. So if you get 10 members paying £30 a month, you know, what is the lifetime value of those members on average? Now, a lot of people don't have that data, but that's direct advertising for you. So this guy who's telling people to spend the advertising money, you know, it's smart money. If you've got an ad that converts and you can get people on board and get people into your club, even for any judo club, what you know is if you're spending £500, you can lose on the front end knowing that you're the people that sign up, are going to make it on the back end and you've got to be very very switched on about those kind of numbers because you're talking about you know for judo club 500 pounds is a lot of money for some businesses it's a drop in the ocean so but but the cost per click really for judo on ads is quite quite cheap you know you can advertise your judo club really cheaply and martial arts is really cheap to advertise <clears throat> so you know you have to be sort of aware of your, your direct ad spends when you're advertising a judo club uh, but is it possible to to get 150 on the map, easy, no problems about that. You just need a good offer, you, you need a good product and you need to target the right people and people will come up, yeah. We, month one, you might only get 10 people come on the map with an advertisement. You might only get five and two sign up, but that might be a success and that's whatever rate you can do it at, that rate and depends on population of city and all kinds of things like say road, where your club is, the day of the week, the club is all those things make a difference. But if you can systematically grow your club, you can very quickly increase those numbers easily just by spending a very, very small amount. As long as you know your numbers in terms of what someone walks in the door, how long are they likely to stay for when they get to the door? And then, it, then, it, then the onboarding process and everything like that, that, that becomes part key part of it, and you can start to experiment with that as well.
0: Yeah, and I know like some of the stuff that you're mentioning is actually pretty advanced. Uh, I've scraped the surface on some of it, but nowhere near um, the level you have. But I think it is just trying to have the conversation around it that's so important for judo, I think, because there will be some coaches that listen, or judo players, moms, dads, and things. This is just, you know, it's never going to work. It's too much work. I don't want to do that. And that's fine, you know, but there's going to be people that really want to grow their club and really see this as an opportunity of actually we need to put our best foot forward. We can grow our membership. We can. Yeah. You know, there's no reason why clubs shouldn't have 150 members, you know, as a minimum. you know, yeah, that...
1: there isn't. There isn't any reason why that shouldn't happen. Why we shouldn't have super judo centres where you shouldn't have mass randories of three hundred people on the mat every Wednesday in different areas. There is absolutely no reason for this. And if anyone says that will never happen, uh, they're absolutely living in, in cloud cuckoo land because that's not what the evidence suggests on other areas and other sports. You know, you can go to a rugby tournament with kids, and there'll be hundreds of kids, uh, you know, playing a rugby or five-a-side tournaments and things like that you know, we live in a population, what is the population of the UK? 63 million or something like that. And you tell me we can't get 150 members on it. What is it? 600 to 800 judo clubs. We can't get 150 members on the mat uh, a week. Of course we can, but it's having the mechanics to do that. And at the moment, you know, if you're not professionalized, it's very difficult to get that motivation to do it. You want, you know, if someone came in and said, Hey, this is it. And that, and that's the issue, I suppose, you know, um, And we talked about this, you know, I'm not slating British judo or anything like that, but it comes down to who's, Who's, somebody's got to fuel it. Somebody's got to pave the way and say to everybody else, this is the way that this is done. It's either done from the top down or it's done from an individual club level. And if I was the British judo station, I'd be doing it by a top down model because it makes them money. So if they've got 150 members per club on the mat, active members, if not more members, and they're on the mat, they get the membership fees, they get the grading fees. It, it, it's it's part of that process. But uh, I think, you know, it's, it's promoting the sport of judo. There's two options. People are trying to promote the sport of judo, whereas if you go from the bottom end and promote the participation levels, then the judo, promote the sport of judo itself, self abundant because all the ones who are doing judo will watch it. They'll get the family interested in it. They'll, they'll talk judo. They'll wear the judo t-shirts. And, uh, and that to be fair, is invariably what Brazilian jiu-jitsu has done. They've grown Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a club. I know they've got the USC and things like that motivating that drive, but you know, we've got to grow participation in judo and we need to do it rapidly post COVID really uh, to avoid that slump in
0: numbers. Yeah, and I think um, the the BJJ have got UFC, but for me, judo still, judo was built for the community. Like, there's so many good things. Like, you see in the paper all the time how a local judo club's done something good for the community. Judo clubs already do the good work. It's just about telling people about it. You know, so I think that's really lost on some people because marketing isn't just about promoting judo. It's about how we make people feel, isn't it? It's... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> the community yeah. how we make people feel how we make them feel involved it and is. does that
1: yeah well marketing's about making the definition of marketing is a really boring nonsensical method and if you ask 100 marketers what their definition is you'll get different ones the one i was taught is the one i always refer to is that marketing is about making change happen and if the change doesn't happen the marketing marketing didn't work so you know, and that's why I say I'm quite critical in terms of the marketing of judo. Because if participation levels haven't risen in the last decade, the marketing of judo doesn't work. It's got to it's got to be fixed. And um, we can c- m- complain about market conditions. It does. It's irrelevant. Those market conditions exist, but in, behind that marketing is stories. It's a story we get to tell ourselves. So when somebody turns becomes goes to judo, they become a judoka. And that transformation isn't the same as, a, you know, you, what are you? I'm a fisherman. What are you? I, I'm a judoka. Okay, what's that? That's interesting. That's a different story. Okay, what do you do? I do judo. Judo itself is an interesting story. So we've got to help people tell that story of judo. Okay, the very word of judo, what's that? If you were to stop 100 children in the street and ask them what judo is, I would be hard-pressed to say that the the kids would know what judo is. And for an Olympic sport, that's a very, very sorry state to be in and an absolutely unacceptable position to be in by any governing body when our sport, our audience, the 50% of our audience are children. And that needs to be changed. So so invariably, if we're going to say the responsibility in growing judo is the club's, the responsibility of awareness of judo has to also be from the top down. They can't just not get any, take any responsibility for that. And they have to understand that that model isn't working, but that isn't going to change anytime soon. It hasn't changed in a decade. I don't expect it to change now. So the clubs have to assume that responsibility. And they have to assume that responsibility. And like you say, it's about telling those micro stories. It's about getting in the paper. It's about telling about the bigger story around judo and what judo is about, and the responsibilities. You know, the things that get get the benefits of judo and showing those benefits. You know, so if you show, and and I think with children it's really good, but with men it's really good. When you see someone lose weight through judo, they become more confident, they become more focused. They limp a bit more often. You know, it's uh, it, it's, but that's a story to tell people. You know, what did you do this weekend? Or oh, I went on a judo tournament? Did you? You know, these are these are great. Stories that people like to tell—that's that's what's what judo about. That's that underpins the marketing are stories of transformation, mm. and we've got to take them out and and tell those. Which, by the way, goes back to another. Key thing: If you want to do a judoka transformation story, that's great. Pick a judoka and look how they transformed. Look tell, get them to tell you know write a little little few lines about what judo means to them. That's a trans that's like a transformational testimonial you can use on Facebook. And you know, th- th- there's loads of ways to do it. It's it's, it's almost unlimited really. Um, but yeah, it, it's we've got to get the, the stories of judo out there.
0: Yeah, I remember we've talked about this a lot anyway, but so an actionable bit of advice or something something that we we do and well something that we've started since since recently is uh, when you get a new member in the club you know and they um you know they get their kit and stuff you take a picture this is whoever welcome to the judo club that's your first post on facebook and then you can maybe film the first judo technique or the first breakfall that they learn and this is what yeah. they do and then maybe it's the first time that they stand out in front of class and demonstrate one of those techniques yeah, and then all of a sudden they they could have been a shy person. They could have been, you know, and you sort of start to comment on the, that transformation that's happening, the confidence that they're growing and stuff. And we've even tried doing this online with the online stuff where we've got people mm-hmm. demonstrating stuff, and and I think that's something really simple that clubs, every single club, could do because everybody's going to have a phone, everybody's going to see them walk through the door, and they're yeah. really simple small messages that you could amplify by however members you get.
1: And, and you've got viral videos in the million there, by the way. If you get a, a video with somebody who comes in, and viral videos tend to work on extremes if you get someone skinny he comes in looks like he, he couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag or she couldn't or whatever looks frail and then you start then you then you take them you show their first lesson you show the story then break for and you record you keep these little videos by the end when they're really skillful and they're throwing people around like like a ninja you know the reality is that video and you put that video on Facebook that video is going to go viral I guarantee it it would do with a tiny bit of a boost budget behind it like and I'm talking nothing major like 50 pounds 100 pounds and those are the stories of judo and like you say those capturing you know there's this thing in marketing where people say uh, document everything if you document it all you know document the train session document what's going on you pick these stories out you're going to have tons of marketing material you won't have to worry about marketing because you're just sharing the documented version of um of what you did. so document not create and you know it's a great philosophy philosophy to you know to describe what we need to be doing with judo that being said it requires that conscious thought to say okay this is what we're going to do we're going to start documenting people new members we're going to make people feel good about themselves you know and i'm not being if you take a video and you take somebody from their first lesson and then six months down the road you video them again you video them a couple months in and you do a little time lapse video and you share it to them and say hey listen what do you think about that They're going to see that transformation. Think they're going to stay for another six months in judo? Of course they're going to stay for another six months in judo. They're going to share that video to anybody else who will listen. They're going to WhatsApp it, their friends, and things like that. Um, Something I haven't talked about, by the way, is dark social. I just want to add that before we finish off, is that people don't understand the power of dark social. Dark social is, is things that can't be tracked. It's like sharing things via email and WhatsApp and Messenger. So people who share things, Hey, do you want to come to this club? Have you seen this video? You won't get those metrics necessarily in terms of, you know, that that's, that's like something attributable, but that happens. So because people talk, it's just another way of talking. The mum's at the school gates. Hey, have you seen this video? Oh, look at this. Oh, John started doing judo. Has he brilliant? Luke is there now. Look at that picture. Oh, my lad will love to do that. I'll see what, what day of the week it is. Don't, you're giving these these things to be able to allow people to tell stories, it's these, these assets. And you can't ignore that fact of that dark social in terms of people not necessarily just pressing the share button on Facebook video, but actually people showing the YouTube video. And that's why YouTube, by the way, is, uh, you know, no one's going to get tons of traffic from a local judo club on YouTube. But that's not the point. What you're doing is you can use it to collect the stories to make them easily findable for you and other people. Because scrolling through Facebook feeds trying to find videos can be very tough and time-consuming. So having that body of searchable YouTube videos, which can be found within a few seconds, can actually make life easy for for your promotion or your club. So, um, you know, and I I hope that sort of, like, you know, there's a lot we've discussed here, and I, and I do speak very quickly. So, but there's, I think there's enough in this. In this what we've discussed here today, enough ideas for anybody to grow their club quite rapidly. Um, And it, you know, if we want to discuss another one another time, the direct advertising side of judo, I think that's a quite an in-depth subject. But I think from this point, from people the excuses that you can't go judo need to be completely removed. Mm. But also I need, think that people need to understand that post COVID, yes, you might have that honeymoon period where people come back to the club, but that'll soon drop off because they haven't had that, you know, and, and that's the reality of people. So post COVID it's ground zero for, you know, for, for judo clubs, It needs to have that dedicated marketing viewpoint. And how are we going to get bums on seats or backsides on the mat when we reopen and what's the processes in place and setting it out 10 processes in. place. So we're going to do the Facebook. We're going to have the YouTube. We're going to start taking pictures of members. We're going to have new members, photos on Facebook. We're going to tag people in. We're going to take nice, cool action shots. We're going to take that video of people and then store it in our, our Dropbox or our Google Drive, so we can use it in six months' time. And we're gonna plan ahead. We're gonna put the leaflets in the shop windows. We're gonna take the business card. We're gonna to speak to the schools. We're gonna see about doing leaflet drops, okay? We're gonna to look to speak to the church, you know, because you don't know if somebody, you put something in a church, someone goes to church, they tell their grandson about it. You just don't know. You're gonna look at all these pieces, the local library, are the businesses that you can speak to that might be able to sponsor you, you know? So that's another option, you know, so you can do a sponsorship deal with a local car dealership. Okay, local car dealership. Hey, listen, we don't really want any money from this other than the fact we don't want a free car or anything like that. But well, we just like to be able to uh, say, we've got a deal with you guys and you guys are supporting us. Perhaps um, we can do a demonstration to, to people in the in the studio or whatever like that. Perhaps you can just, you know, help us out with a month's rent fee, map fee, and we'll put you on our sponsors list and we're gonna give you a frame photo of you in a judo suit throwing somebody you know and they can go on the, the company directors wall in their office or it's on the the wall inside the car room sh- car showroom so when somebody walks in they see judo advertised there and people like company executives are involved in judo so there's all these kind of methods and models you can do to market judo ridiculously effectively and quite cheaply but they do require that conscious effort to do
0: yeah and obviously the you can't go into all the strategies in, in a, a little podcast, obviously. And I think the main thing that marketing is just the start. And I think it's really important for us to have these conversations. And I guess as well, is if we, if every judo club can open in June, I guess my biggest thing is don't wait until June to start. Yeah. <laughs> do you agree? Like do- start getting it ready now. This is what I would do.
1: If I was starting a judo club right now, and I haven't even spoken to my own judo club about this because, you know, I'm busy, but I would start doing, asking every single adult judo player and every single child judo player, speak to the parents and ask them for a story and and put a picture on them. You know, so this is Megan's judo story. You know, Megan was bullied at school. You know, she was getting picked on. She didn't feel confident. So she started judo in January 2016. By, January 2000, by February 2016, she was feeling more confident. And by April 2016, she had entered into her first tournament. You can have a picture, a little you know, carousel of these different pictures. By the end of 2018, Megan was already XYZ belt in judo, and she'd won three medals at local, local tournaments. You could do a video if you wanted to do this as well, or images. It's whatever's easy and you've got the time to do it you know and then you do that for every single child member you do that for every single adult member and that's an arsenal of posts that people are reading and sharing before you've even closed up and at the end of every single um post you put if you're interested in knowing uh, when our judo club is back open uh, message our club to be signed up to our email list And so when they message you, they message you say, hey, great, thanks for the interest. Let me have your email address. You pop it on a spreadsheet. I'll email you when the judo club's back open. So straight away there, you've got a body of massive stories of transformation about your club members that you're going to go through. And you're going to be able to put them online and send them out there. Every club member that's tagged into the post will share it to their friends and family. Every other club member will probably share it as well you know and and you know a load of other club members will share it because they're proud of their fellow teammates and what happens is the club member starts to get emails of interested people to let them know where the club is open and uh, and that for me is a very simple and easy marketing tactic to do right now up until then as well as your other stuff but i think that is is a great one to do
0: Mm, yeah brilliant well Thanks, Andrew. I really appreciate all of your all time right. on this. It's been really, really good, and I'm sure. Uh, guys, let me know what you think. Uh, maybe we can get you back in the future and we can talk about other bits and pieces. But, yeah, really, thanks for your time, Andrew.
1: No, it's a pleasure, Vince. Thank you very much for inviting me. I mean, you know, let's judo get back on. Let's. We've been a long way away.
0: Yeah, cheers, bud.
1: No worries. Thank you.
0: So there we are, the end of Episode 8. And I really, really hope whatever involvement you have in judo, there was something useful there. I know there was so much for me to take away personally. Um, And we've got to get the stories of judo out there. You know, I constantly bang the drum for judo being an amazing product. But the problem is, is also like Britain's best kept secret. You know, it's frustrating to see an experience as a parent you know, children, and my own children included, engage in other sports and activities in the hundreds and thousands that are definitely no better than judo, and I'd argue have less benefits and delivered by lower level coaches with less experience of the sport than most of the judo coaches. You know, the problem is definitely not judo. I think, problem in sport in general is we're just rubbish of telling people of the benefits and I don't know whether it's ingrained in our culture you know with our values with modesty humility you know but I think judo is such a great sport and you know I'd urge everybody listening to this podcast to you know tell people about it get your clubs filled you know how much better off would your community be if judo your judo club was thriving you know i i would say i would ask any judoka or judo coach do you think judo is a rubbish product do you think it's not good do you think people won't benefit from it well i'm pretty sure the answers are, being <laughs> of course they'll benefit you know so i will also uh give a shout out to northwest area as well because throughout this whole covid situation um some areas have actually been quite proactive some have been non-existent but some have been pretty proactive and I know Northwest area are putting together a um, a a, a marketing campaign for the area and I hope they get the right advice for that I hope they they manage to do that and help their clubs I think you know it it should be something that's looked at from a national scale um, and clubs should be helped with their marketing it should be a big part of the coaching framework how do you get kids because as far as I'm concerned, it's pointless having excellently trained coaches. You know, really good judo lessons going on, but then nobody experiencing that. You know, so they're they're my thoughts on on it, and I am really passionate, especially as somebody. You know, judo was a pathway for me. I I was really I was really lucky to have judo. I when I finished school, I finished school with not not many GCSEs, anything like that. I wanted judo and I was really fortunate that I could I could go into judo uh, as a coach and I managed to go to university and study judo and my coaching course. But how many other people like me would benefit from being able to earn a living from judo as well? You know, there's gonna be so many judoka that get to a decent level, you know, a British national, international level that maybe don't quite make it to the top but actually would be amazing for, you know, keeping, keeping involved in judo. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a big passion of mine. Um, and I hope, as I said, I really hope you guys found it useful, gained something. And what are your key takeaways? Let me know what you think. You know, send me an email, vince at vinskilcorn.co.uk. What's working for you? How are you in your clubs? Is your club full? Are you looking for more members? How could we help you? Um, I mean, I'm more than happy if you guys want. I can interview some people on Facebook marketing, on how how to run your club as a business. These are all really, really important subjects for for us as judo people. Um, if you guys want it, because I know it's not going to be readily available from any other source. So, yeah, I just want you to go know that I'm here. I want to help. Uh, we can get those interviews out there. Um, But yeah, so I also want to thank um, Adam Plinston. He sent me quite a nice email, actually, but also quite a detailed email on some things that he would like to hear about. You know, is judo a sport, a martial art, you know, and... Even, even other bits and pieces which I'm going to look into and develop. The key thing with this podcast is I'm always limited by my skills of editing, so some of the things I think about, and I think oh, I most probably don't know how to do that, So but I'll do my best. I'll keep on learning. Uh, also, there's two subjects I, w- I would like to speak to people about, and I don't necessarily know uh, the best people to speak to, so I'd like to take your advice on that. The first one, I'd like to talk to somebody about Kata. To me... Cata is boring. I don't enjoy it. Um, I find it, yeah, I find it a bit tedious. But I'd like, I'd like to speak to somebody who's really knowledgeable, re- but also really passionate about Cata, because I want them to try and sell Kata to me, tell me the benefits of Cata, um, and they're, they're going to have to really know their stuff because I will push them. Uh, so yeah, if you've got any recommendation or you'd like to put yourself forward to talk about Cata, that'd be great. Um, and also, self defense, judo as a self defense or a martial art or a sport. Um, so, there are a couple of subjects that I'd like to talk about in the future. But I suppose, as we come into the end, uh, I want to thank everybody for their kind comments. And as I said, if you're listening in a different country, mention, you know, send me a message. Um, I've got some cool stuff coming up um, in the background with the blog and uh, my online course. So, for anybody who doesn't know, I've got an online course, Winning Fundamentals. That is, uh, you can get that on my website. Uh, you can go on to vincegilcorn.co.uk and just the just type in Winning Fundamentals in there. Um, it's really good. Any judoka that's looking back to get on the mat. Uh, If you don't want to make those mistakes, really, really good. Have a look at that. Um, But there's lots more stuff coming on in the background. But I suppose you guys are tired of listening to my voice by now. So I just need to say thanks again. Uh, Send me a message, keep in contact, and I'll speak to you all very soon.